so much. Thank you so much. The, the atmosphere is just, uh, you know, uh, uh, electrified with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I want to encourage you today that uh, in these moments like this, that, uh, uh, that you open yourself up uh, to, uh, you know, the touch that God would have for your life. And by that I mean sometimes we can relegate the Holy Spirit to just one element. And a lot of times our, the, our history determines that. If whatever the emphasis that you have learned identifies the Holy Spirit, that's what you go back to, and until you see that, you know what I mean, you don't recognize him. But the Holy Spirit is much bigger than just one element in which he goes ahead and sometimes will manifest himself, or, or we have an association to uh, manifest in himself. And so... Um, uh, I've learned this in, in life because, you know, of, of my journey, uh, you know, to, to not uh, have a narrow-mindedness. And by that, I'd, I'd, that's not a rebuke. I'm not saying you're narrow-minded, you know. I'm saying that you need, we need to have a, a biblical view of the Holy Spirit and not just a, uh, an experience view of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And Jesus said this. He said that there will be two bottles. One will be old and one will be new. And if you're familiar with the old, you're going to lean toward the old. But he says, I want you to know that what's in the new is better than what's in the old. <laughs> That's what he said. He wasn't negating what was in the old. The old was wonderful. It, it, it had its moment. It had its, it had its time. But he said, that I've got something in the new bottle. If you'll go ahead and, 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 go, if you'll go ahead and you know, taste it and taste it long enough, he said, you're going to find out that it's, it's better because it's for your day. It's for your day. But right at first, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to desire, your, your first taste is not going to desire the new bottle. You're going to prefer the old bottle. So it looks like we're going to have some transitions that take place. You know what I mean? And go ahead and allow ourselves the uh, 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 taste after taste after taste after taste until all of a sudden, you know, uh, the taste buds get adjusted to the Holy Spirit. All right? You're not throwing the old out. You're just adding the new in. Amen? Right. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. There's just so much in the Holy Spirit this morning, and I'm going to have a hard time, you know, narrowing it down. I feel so I need his help. We started out talking about seven things that God wants for your life and how that uh, last week, you know, uh, how we need to stop the, the crime wave. The devil has went ahead and set a crime wave. Launched a crime wave. Jesus came to stop the crime wave. It says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. So he 
comes and starts a crime wave. Jesus saw that. You know, and so Jesus comes and he says, I've come to stop the crime wave. I've come to give life and to give it more abundantly. And we discovered that when he said he come to steal, that, that word is klepto, or literally, a, he's a pickpocket. And it's just in the midst of activity. And he steals something from you, even without you knowing it. Until all of a sudden you maybe need it or want it. And you reach for it and it's gone. And then when he says that he comes to, to kill, the word kill is relative to sacrifice. And he says that he will come along and he will endeavor to get you to sacrifice something that is dear to you. He will put you through the mill, so to speak. And, you know, convince you that there's only one way out, and that is to take what is so special and dear and sacrifice it and get rid of it. He works on the psychological aspect, the mind. You know, and then finally, he comes to destroy. And that is that... Uh, he wants to ruin. So after what's ever left over, it's still going to be around, but it's not going to be in the abundance and the realm that it was intended to be. So we're trying to stop the, the crime wave. And I think that the crime wave sometimes happens in our life because we have a misperception of God. And the wonderfulness of his purposes for our lives is we want to get a right, get a right picture. Uh, and that's, that's my goal, is to help you see. I'm not talking about a good life. I'm talking about an abundant life. There's a difference. And we will, you know, talk more about that as, as we go on. But let me begin this morning with Psalms 23 and verse 5. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You prepare a table for, before me in the presence of mine enemies. I want you to think about that a moment. See, good men have enemies, there's enemies. And yet he says that what God's going to do for you is rather unique because typically in the presence of an enemy, if you were to eat, you would eat your meal in haste. You would grab a bite and eat it and, you know, be uh, uh, on your way, so to speak. And you would hasten to the fight but that isn't what he's saying. He's saying that the believer, the one that trusts the Lord, he's going to do like the servant does. God's going to do for you like the servant would do. He's going to pull out the table. He's going to grab the tablecloth and he's going to 
laid the tablecloth and he's going to set it with the right uh, dishware. And he's going to go ahead and, you know, align it with the food. He's going to pull up a chair and you're going to be able to go ahead and partake and have this moment of at the table not in a hurried way without confusion no disturbances even though the enemy is at the door God sets a table and he allows you to eat in perfect peace whoa thou prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies all because the Lord is my shepherd hallelujah it's not oblivious to the enemy but it's being conscious of the God amen who's in charge of the enemies amen and so he says that there will be a fresh anointing that will take place a a fragrant perfume that's uh, going to be anointed and, and given you in a cup that runs over. And so he's saying, you know, I'll anoint just my head with oil. He said, you're going to have an act of great respect that he's going to give to you. Great respect. Man. Let the table begin. Amen? He says that you won't be confined to just merely the necessities of life, but you're going to be supplied with an abundance from the table of the Lord. A cup that runs over in such a fashion that Others around you are going to be able to smell and feel the drink that you've had. Sounds to me like God has some good things set up for for his people. And so we want to stop that crime wave that may or may not be happening in your life we want to discover the abundant life and so today I want to start with number three that you matter to God you matter to God and that God wants you to know and to understand him so that you will Love him. Let me talk to you this morning about Zacchaeus. You remember the story. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. And yet, the crowd was great, but even more intimidating than the crowd that was holding Zacchaeus back was his own life, his own image. The very, his very appearance made him feel insecure and lonely. He was a man of short stature. 
His accusers made him feel bitter and resentful. His sins made him feel guilty and ashamed. But what did Jesus do? He didn't wait for Zacchaeus to invite him. Jesus invited himself. He was breaking through the insecurities, the image, the feeling of guilt and shame that would have never permitted Zacchaeus to make a request. He didn't feel worthy. He wouldn't have had the confidence. His insecurity was blocking him up. So Jesus took the initiative. Isn't that what he did in John chapter 10? Verse 10, not A, but 10B. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I've taken the initiative. He's asking us not to let our own perception of our stature and our importance interfere. Don't let the history of your life keep you from the master. He said, it's not going to keep me from you. Would you not let it keep yourself from him? My. Sometimes we're ashamed of our life. But Jesus doesn't want to contemn us. He wants to come and change us. He wants us to know that he loves you. And he wants you to love him just as much as he loves you. We might have a long ways to go, but that's one of the goals of the master. God wants you. The prodigal son, he leaves home, he blows his inheritance. He lives wildly. He comes back home and the father runs to meet him and gives him a big hug as we know it. The father doesn't say, go take a bath, get a shave and then I'll hug you. No, he accepts him and then he walks him back home because they met out on the road. And so he embraces him and walks him back home. Hallelujah. And even when he gets back home, the father stands in his defense, trying to enlighten the fellow family members.
about how life has went ahead and stopped the crime wave that had been happening in this young man's man's life. So it doesn't make any difference what condition you're in right now. God doesn't want your pride, our pride, you know, to get in the way. So we want to admit that we've sinned. Because the prodigal admitted he'd sinned. And he humbled himself and a new page of history began to be be written. So God wants you to know and understand him. It says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, and I don't know what your vision of God is. But it says this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, the mighty man glory in his might, the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories in this, that he understands and knows me. And notice how, the definition that he gives of himself. But I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, says the Lord, I, I delight. What an amazing picture. What shapes our vision? What shapes our perception? God wants you to enjoy life because your conscience is clear. Not because your bank account is high. He wants you secure in in his love. See, the more you get to know God, the more you're going to trust him. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, he said, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. That I might be in such close association with him that I might understand the elements of suffering. An abundant life that's full of purpose Potential and full of joy. Who is this abundant life? Or what is this abundant life? Should be more who is this abundant life? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the life. You tap into that abundant life with Jesus Christ. 
You say, Pastor, what about all the other scriptures that talk about don't do, shouldn't do, you know what I mean? The consequences. Well, it's true there's warnings in the Bible. But they're there to keep us from unnecessary harm. So we don't have to experience those things. So we don't have to, you know, uh, find ourselves in self-induced sufferings. It is the revelation, so to speak, of abundant life. I like what Paul wrote in Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, the NIV reads it this way. Put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now I know that is an enjoyment of the flesh. That grieves the spirit. But there's an enjoyment of the spirit that brings health to the flesh. It's about relationship. Relationship. Without relationship, with Jesus Christ, every other experience is dulled by being limited to itself. But when you connect with Jesus, the same experience then, you know what I mean, becomes an unlimited rather than a limited blessing. So God wants you to know him. God wants to, you to live your life to the full. Go back to the Garden of Eden. He created, he made, and he personalized, right? He did. He created the earth. He established this whole earth, but then he went ahead and he personalized. He planted a garden. Oh, hallelujah, church. Okay? See, see, there's a world that God has made, but there's a garden that he has created for you. And it's that garden See, Adam's not taking care of the whole world. Hallelujah. Adam and Eve's taking care of their garden. Woo! He went ahead and set a personalized garden for them. And it was the enemy that came in and, you know, started the crime wave in their life.
branch of the garden. He had to remove them from the garden then, the personalized blessing of their life, so that, you know, the results of sin would not start growing in that garden. And of course, the long story is, of course, redemption has to come in so that, so that all can get a return back. But even now, Jesus said, I'm the, you don't gotta wait. I've come to go ahead and help you start taking care of your garden. Yes. Christianity is to be enjoyed, not endured. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus said, these words have I spoken unto you that your joy might be full and that your, my joy might remain in you. I'm not talking about making your world better. I'm talking about making your life better. Joseph had a way of making his life better even though his world was terrible. What holds people back is the shame of their life. The regret. And so as a result, they're not, they don't, they're not able to walk in empowerment of the abundant life. Those wisdom principles and those in, in God's Holy Spirit. I don't think that becoming a Christian means the party's over. I think it means you're no longer operating under the law of diminishing returns. You're not looking for a fix. You have been fixed. That's what Psalm 57 and verse 7 says. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. God can fix disappointments. God can fix the shames, the regrets. He fixes our heart. That's why the Holy Spirit is so vital in our life because it's all the right 
instructions won't get it done without the right spirit. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's what it's all about. There's nothing wrong with the Old Testament's instructions. It just was weak because it needed a life-giving spirit. And that's what Jesus said he is. He's a life-giving spirit. Can you believe this morning that that's what God would have for you to live your life to the full? Now, my life to the full is not your life to the full. Your life to the full is not my life to the full. There's a lot of similarities of it with regard to it in the general aspect of it, but everything is personalized. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. What's he saying? Not just wealth, but anything that's uncertain. It's part of your life, but it's not where your trust is at. But to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our life and enjoyment. Abiding in the vine, according to John chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and what you desire and it shall be done for you. He's saying that life revolves around him. Your view of God. He wants you to know this morning that he's on your side. God is on your side. (coughs) Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says this, God is working in you, giving you desire and power to do what pleases him. Because that's the kind of life that you have in you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? To feel the smile of God in your life. To feel the smile of God. You say, Pastor, how, do I, how, do, how can I do that? Well, one way to do it is recognize, you know what I mean, that we need God's help. Number two, that when we do sin, we confess our sins because when we confess our sins, we're always headed in the right direction. Always headed in the right direction if we confess our sins. Which brings us to the point and the place of of humility. God gives grace to the humble. He's on your side you know that Jesus took the wrath of God towards sin for us 
the wrath of God for sin, Jesus took it. He's on your side. He has not appointed us to wrath, but to salvation, the Apostle Paul said. God's not angry. No. It says the chastisement of our peace was upon him. I'm telling you, you know, when Jesus stepped up, when Jesus stepped in there, and of course, this is, the, this is God. This is not, you know, Father doing something to the Son and, you know, and all of that. This is, this is just God, you know what I mean, officiating the plan of salvation for us. But he laid on us, on him, the iniquity of us all. He's for you. He's on your side. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Isn't it great to have someone that understands it? But not only someone that understands it, but it's someone that is, has overcome it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in the time of our need. God says you're going to have moments and you're going to have time that you're going to have to come and get an extra supply. You're going to come. You don't, it's, it's not during your strength that you're, that you're going to come, although you should come in your strength, but it's going to come. You're going to come during your need and during your weakness. You're going to come when you're not so strong. I've got a provision there for you. Call on to me and I will answer to you and give you, show you great and mighty things that you, you don't even know of. I have not seen and ear hath not heard, neither is into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him, but he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. There are things yet in the spirit that God wants you to see so that you can have. Don't jump into heaven yet. You're still here. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You don't need these things for heaven. The crime wave is over. The earthly limitations have been, you know, taken off. You need the abundant side of things for the limited side of life. Amen. Give a Lord a praise this morning. Glory to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He didn't just do it to take care of your sins. He did it to take care of your life. So he's on your side. I love what the book of Hebrews says too with regard to 
God. Hebrews chapter six, it says, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. In other words, what's he saying? He said, because he could pledge by no greater, he personally took the pledge to stand behind it, to put the guarantee in it. Somebody says, well, then, Pastor, what about, you know, all these things? Well, there's a crime wave, let me tell you. There's a crime wave. But Jesus can come to stop the crime wave. Hallelujah. He not only come to stop the crime wave, he also came to empower your life to be able to live life so that others could find life. He says we're ambassadors for Christ. (coughs) What Jesus did, and you know, over 2,000 years ago, you weren't there, but somebody told you about it. Somebody told you about it. The generation that is, they weren't there, but somebody needs to tell them about it. You are the lights of the world. City that sit on the hill that cannot be hid. He said, you know, we, we need to be, how can I put it? Lights set up high. Life that's so full of light that others can can see it. There's an old song that I don't know if the young kids still do it, but, you know, it goes something like, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're happy, it's not happy and you know it, but, but I mean, uh, that you need to notify your face. <laughs> because they can't, they can't read the inside. They don't have that capacity to read the inside. What they're doing is they're reading the cover. <laughs> That's why he said, don't complain, don't murmur, that you may shine as the sons of God in a dark world. So what is he saying? You know, well, if you're complaining a lot, your light is really being diminished. Hallelujah. So we just, we stop a few things and all of a sudden, you know what I mean? The light starts to burn brighter and brighter and shine brighter and brighter, you know. And that opens the door for us to communicate the abundant life that is in Jesus Christ. You see, there's a lot of people that are enjoying the good life but they're not experiencing the abundant life. 
They've got the cars. They've got the wife. They've got the kids. They've got the bank account. You know what I mean? I mean, they've got the vacations. They've got all of that. But they don't know Jesus. They know about him. But they don't have personal relationship with him. Let me read something to you. Where are we at? I've got to close. An artist sculptured a beautiful angel and wanted the master artist, Michelangelo, everybody's familiar with him. This is a true story. And wanted his opinion. So he asked a friend of his if somehow he could get Michelangelo to come over and take a look at his sculpture. And Michelangelo did come over and asked my musicians to come. Carefully inspected it and as he looked at it and looked over, he said, it lacks one thing. He walks out. And figure out what was the one thing that he lacked. So he sent his friend to ask him, and he said, It only lacks life. That's the issue today. Is life looks perfect. Everything's going just as dreamed. Living life, it seems to the fullest, but there's one thing missing. It's still lacking life. He who has the Son has life. He's got life. Jesus is life. So if we get life, there's more, but I'm not going to do the other ones just for sake of time. If, if you get life, we get blessing. What do we do with it? We just enjoy it? Obviously, we should enjoy it. But not just enjoy it. There are four laws of God's blessing I would like for you to take away this morning to enrich your future. Number one is our blessings should flow to others. Our blessings should flow to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. He's saying that people's response to your blessing, you know, will be praise, 
be thanks to God. So our blessing should flow to others because the blessings are not just so we can feel good to be happy and be comfortable. It's so we can bless others. What did he say to Abraham? He said, I'm going to make you a great nation. Well, thank you. And I'm going to bless you. For what? So you can bless others. Hallelujah. So you can bless others. Find somebody to bless. Find somebody to bless. So the first law of blessing is that it must flow out to others. The second law of blessings is when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. There's almost nothing that God won't do for the person who helps others. Notice what it says in, cha- in Luke chapter 18, verse 29 and 30. God's guarantee of blessing. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and here's what he said. No one who has left home or wife or brother or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So you just go ahead and be a blesser. And God says it's going to return to you. Ecclesiastes says this. He said, cast your bread upon the waters. Okay, the word water, you know, invariably and so frequently just means uh, means people or the sea of people. Revelations tells you about that. Ecclesiastes is saying the same thing. Cast your bread upon the waters because it says you don't know when it will return. But he goes on to say that all of a sudden you'll find it returning on every wave. (laughs) All right, you know, it's been gone for a real long time. You sowed clear back here, and then all of a sudden the season comes. You know what I mean? Because I don't know how the waves work, but, you know, they, they go out and back, and they just, you know. But he says it all of a sudden. Season comes, and every wave has got an extra blessing on it. I turn around, and every wave, you know, I'm blessed. It's because I went ahead, and I saw someone just handed handed something to him give it to him and he'll return to you he said I'm going to take care of you I'll take care of you I mean my wife she'll almost break us sometimes fulfilling these these, <laughs> these laws Seriously, I, I just, you know, I just, I get worried, but she's got the faith. I, you know, I, no, my goodness, woman. <laughs> I'm getting old, you know. You know, and, and she just pours it out. Bless her. And it just, you know, we're not rich, but we're not poor. And the blessing of the Lord runs much further than just finances, let me tell you. 
It does. God says your household, your household, that's where you're going to begin to see it. It's in your household. You're going to see it in your household, Jill and Tim. You're going to see it in your kids. Generations down the road. Hallelujah. You're going to see it. Oh, yeah, sometimes maybe, you know what I mean? The, it seems like, you know what I mean? You can't go out for supper tonight because you had to pay the bill, you know? But the spirit of the kids is the right kind of spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Well, you tell me, which one do you want? The right spirit in your kids or just a meal out? <laughs> You'll get a meal out too. You don't get me wrong, but I tell you what. God says it'll happen. You can't, you, can't, you can't go ahead and do what God came to do. See, Jesus, he just didn't imagine doing it. He went ahead and engaged in stopping the crime wave in somebody's life. There's crime waves that are happening in people's lives all over, and the thief is stealing and killing, you know what I mean, and trying to ruin everything. And Jesus wants somebody to step in. So all of a sudden, they can go ahead and say, now I know there's a God in heaven. Like Naaman, he had his doubts, but he ended up a believer. Our blessings to others will come back to us. One was taking care of our needs, then the blessing comes back, given it shall be given. Last but not least, the fourth law of blessing is the more we're blessed by God, the more God expects us to help others. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says this, Stand with me this morning. Much is required from persons to whom much is given and to whom much has been committed. Of him they will ask the more. The blessed have a greater responsibility. The blessed have a greater responsibility. God really does care. Would you start believing it? Would you start going ahead and thinking about in your mind? Because in John chapter 1, it says God had an idea. Ideas translate to actions. You say, what, Pastor Yeshur? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God had an idea. The idea was to become flesh. Dwelt among us, that so we might behold His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, that He might stop the crime wave. I believe the church is to be part of the crime wave stoppers in people's lives. Everybody said amen. 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 Start your future today. Start it today. Yesterday is history. Could have been good. Could have been not so good. 
but your future, hallelujah, is with Jesus Christ. And he secures it. I know the plans I've got for you, plans are good and not for, not for evil. So you gotta know God's plans. Focus on that. Father, as we leave today, we wanna go and we wanna be ambassadors of life. And we can't be ambassadors of life, Lord, unless we believe, Lord, that abundant life is really ours. It's not so much in the things, but in the person. And out of that, you said you would take care of the things. So we release this morning, in Jesus' name, the anointing from Psalms 23. Thou anointest our head with oil that our cup runs over. I ask you this morning, Heavenly Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, upon every head, Lord, today, a fresh anointing be upon their lives, Lord, until their cup runs over. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, give the Lord a praise and go and love one another and be who God's called you to be. Thank you for listening to this message from Bible Center Church. For more information, you can find us online at www.biblectr.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash BibleCTR.